0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity, Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you would be blessed through it. Well, we're coming to, uh, on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, we come to turn to God's Word. So let's uh, bow our heads and let's ask for God's help. Lord, we want to meet with you. And we thank you that there's so many ways we can do that this morning. We've met with you in the praises of your people and how you love to inhabit those praises. We've met with you in your church for you come Spirit of the living God, and you inhabit the temple, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You come and meet with us, risen from the tomb, speaking words of life. And thank you that we can meet with you in the pages of Scripture. There, Jesus presented to us in all his wonder, all his excellencies, all his attributes, all the things that would mean life for us today. And so as we come to your word, we pray that the speaker would decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase for we ask it in his holy name, amen. Well, this is Matthew 28 after the Sabbath, that's a Saturday. Uh, At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know... You are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Billy Graham was right. You heard his voice at the beginning of this service. He was right when he said, this is the greatest piece of news that an angel has ever got to deliver to mankind. The two Marys, they are on the way to the tomb, the tomb that they'd stood outside at a little bit of a distance on the Friday evening after Jesus was crucified, and they'd watched him and watched his body being placed into the tomb, a stone being rolled over it, a seal, a Roman seal being placed over it, and a Roman guard, that's a number of soldiers being put over it to guard the body to make sure nobody came to steal it. And early on that first day of the week, early on the Sunday morning, the Marys, they go towards the tomb. They're walking towards the tomb. John tells us they're weeping. John tells us they're still weeping They're devastated. They're trying to work out how is it possible that the authorities have put the only truly good man, the only truly innocent man in all of history, they've strung him up on a cross and watched him die a slow and cruel death. They're weeping over the pain and they're weeping over the loss and they're weeping over the sheer injustice of it all just as so many people are weeping today in our world, weeping over the sheer injustice that goes on in the world, weeping in pain, weeping in loss, weeping over war, weeping as they flee, weeping as we see how People are willing to treat one another and kill one another and destroy one another. And we can watch their bodies on the news. People weeping over the mess the world has become and the mess their lives have become. And as they're going, they're going to the tomb. It's natural for them to want to go to Jesus' tomb because how they loved him. How they loved Jesus. They loved him in life and they loved him in Death I'm seeing Rob there, our elder statesman, our oldest member in our church, every day. He goes to the graveside of his late wife, how he loved her, how those Marys loved Jesus, and as they're on the way to the tomb, there is what feels like an earthquake, and the ground is shaking, because an angel from heaven comes down a supernatural being in great brightness and glory and rolls that stone away. And when the guards that are around the tomb see this, they fall like dead men to the ground. They are frozen in fear, lying on the ground, and the Marys arrive at this scene. And they must be wondering, what is going on here? The stone is rolled away. The gods are lying like dead men. And suddenly, they see this angel, and this angel gets to deliver to them this news that all the angels in heaven are queuing up to deliver. They want this gig. This is the gig that all angels want more than any other. They've got their hands up. They're like, pick me. I'll go, Lord. Choose me. Let me deliver the message. We're called angels. That's what we mean. We're messengers. This is it. I'll go. This angel gets chosen. You go and tell the message. And they come with this glorious, glorious message that we read. You are looking. Do not be afraid. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Of course, Jesus had told them ahead of time, this was the way it must be. Luke 24, 7 tells us that when they were in Galilee, Jesus had told them, the Son of Man must be handed over, into the, he must fall into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, rise again from the dead. Jesus had told some of the women, devastated over the loss of Lazarus, their friend, their brother, he'd said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. But it's one thing to hear that. It's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to see it with your own eyes. And the Marys, they suddenly see there's an empty tomb. Jesus is not there. He has risen from the dead. And suddenly these tears of sadness, they turn to tears for fears. Because we read this, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, terrified, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet. They worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So suddenly, these, they've been pouring tears. They've been weeping over loss and pain. Suddenly, those tears turn to tears for fears. They're, in, they're terrified, the Bible tells us. No wonder. But then those tears of fear turn to tears of joy. And I want to tell you, that is how Jesus can meet with you today. That's actually how Jesus met with me because i remember in my teenage years we begin starting just being so horrified over the world why is it the way it is why do why do bad things happen to seemingly good people why is there so much injustice in the world why is it such a mess what is the point of life and we could get to the point of despair i got to the point of despair and then i started to get some dreams Because the Holy Spirit started to do something in me. He started to convict me of my sin. Up to that point, I thought I was good friends with God. (laughs) Me and God were mates. But the Holy Spirit had to start doing a work in my heart. I started to get dreams of Jesus returning. And I was terrified. And the reason I was terrified of these dreams was the moment I just caught a glimpse of him in my dream, I knew I'm not ready. I'm not ready to meet him. I wasn't right with with God. and A great fear grew up within my heart. And then I began to hear the good news. The good news of the risen Jesus who comes to us and he offers his life for us. Who offers his life as a payment for our sin. Who offers us newness of life. Who will turn those tears of sadness and those tears of fears into tears of joy. And praise God, at the age of 16, I met with Jesus <laughs> underneath a mosquito net in the middle of East Africa. And Jesus, if you're weeping today, Jesus can meet with you. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart. He begins to work in your heart. He starts to tell you something's not right. Maybe you were going on in life and everything was fine. You start to come to church and now you're bothered about things. The Holy Spirit's working in you and he's calling you to himself and he wants to turn those tears of sadness. He wants to take all your fears and he wants to turn them into tears of joy that you might meet with the risen Jesus. The angel said, He's not here, He has risen, just as He said, just as He promised. Come and see the place where He lay. Come and see, ladies. Come and investigate for yourself. Come and have a good look in the tomb. Some people have taken that invitation literally, and they've decided to investigate for themselves. Did Jesus rise from the dead? The evangelist J. John, he, he speaks a little bit about this. He speaks uh, about how down through the centuries, people have investigated the, the, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In the, in the 18th century, there was a man called Gilbert West. And he hated the fact that all his friends were becoming Christians. He was really disturbed by this, so he took it upon himself as a writer that uh, he would begin to write a book against the resurrection, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Because actually, if you could prove that, if you could prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Christianity is the biggest hoax in all of history. It's not true if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And we can all go home right now. I'm wasting my time right now if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So he started writing the book. Halfway through it, he meets with Jesus. He becomes a Christian, and he writes a very different book that you'll see up on the screen just now. He wrote a book that influenced so many people about the evidence for why Jesus rose from the dead. In the 19th century, there was um, a very famous atheist called Robert Ingersoll. Um, he used to tour America and uh, he would sell out venues speaking against religion and particularly against Christianity. And despite the success of his tour around uh, America, he was, by, uh, he, he was courted by politicians, leaders loved him, had audiences with him. But he was really disturbed why Christianity continued to grow. For him, it didn't make any sense. And so he called a group of friends together. One of those friends was a man called Lou Wallace. Uh, Lou Wallace, he asked him to, uh, in a sort of multi-stringed attack on Christianity, he said, you, we're going to give you the job of writing a book to disprove the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So Lou Wallace... Gladly accepted the challenge. He began to gather the evidence. He began to write this book. By chapter four, he met with Jesus. Became a Christian. The book that he wrote is called Ben-Hur. A book that when it was published shook the world as it pointed to the reality of the risen Jesus Christ, you made me know it better as, as a film, a film that, was, um, that uh, it won, I think, I think it was nominated for 12 Oscars. No film had up to that point it had been nominated for 12 Oscars. It won 11 of the categories uh, in 1960. The only category it didn't win was to a film called uh, Room at the Top which I think is God's sense of humor and that. that there's, there's, there's always room for improvement. If you, want, if you want to write a film about Jesus' resurrection, in the 20th century, there was a man called Frank Morrison. Frank Morrison was a, a lawyer and a journalist. And he decided he was going to write a book against <laughs> against Jesus rising from the dead and so because he was a journalist he was very good at gathering the evidence and so he gathered all the evidence but he was also a lawyer so he knows how to make the argument that Jesus didn't rise from the dead but he gathers so much evidence he meets with Jesus and he becomes a Christian and he has to write the book the other way around. And he wrote a very famous book, Frank Morrison, Who Moved the Stone? And the evangelist J. John, he, he points out, he said, so if you're really, really keen and in a hurry to meet with Jesus and to become a Christian, try writing a book against the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But if you're in more of a hurry and you want to meet with Jesus even quicker, (laughs) then hear the word of the Lord. Hear the testimony of the scripture. Who moved the stone? An angel came down from heaven in brightness and glory, a supernatural being, and rolled that stone away. He invited the women to come and look in the tomb. They looked in the tomb. There they saw it was empty, except for some folded grave clothes, which is weird. It's probably worth pointing out to those who claim that the disciples stole the body, that if you've ever known any thieves break in to steal stuff they have never in the history of the world folded your clothes for you. <laughs> Thieves don't do that. And so they find these clothes all folded there. He's not there. He has risen from the dead. You see, the Apostle Paul, he got it spot on. First Corinthians 15. He says this. If, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, he says... If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. That's his words. (laughs) My preaching is useless. Steady. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised from the dead... Everyone whom you've ever loved and lost and said they were a Christian is lost for all eternity. But Jesus is risen. Jesus has been risen. And because Jesus is risen, death does not have the final word. Because Jesus is risen, the grave can be beaten. Because Jesus is risen, there is hope for the world. Because Jesus is risen, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has been accepted. And you can know the forgiveness of sins today. Because Christ is risen, you need to believe this. It's your only hope. There's a Christian uh, historian and uh, Yaroslav Pelikan. And this is what he said about the resurrection of the dead. If Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. Just think about that for a moment. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant quote. If Christ is risen then everything he said about himself is true. It's authenticated. If he's not risen, because he claimed he would be put to death and he would die on the third day, if he didn't do that, then we don't need to believe anything else Jesus said. But if he is risen, everything he said about you Everything he said about me, everything he said about humankind, everything he said he was going to do when he went to the cross and needed to do for the sins of the world, everything he said about the future and eternal life, it's all true. Because Christ is risen from the dead. Listen to what we read there at the end. The women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, terrified, yet filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples, and suddenly Jesus meets them. Greetings, he said, and they came to him, and they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Lo, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. We're going to sing that. Don't worry if you haven't got your Thine be the glory yet. We are going to sing it at the end, end of the story. I know it's not Easter till you've sung uh, Thine be the glory. But there's a line in it, isn't it? Lo, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. I, I, I've got a confession to make. When I first heard that hymn uh, as a young man, because did, I didn't grow up in the church at the beginning and that, I heard it, I thought it was Jesus meets us really low down. <laughs> really low down. I didn't know it meant behold, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. But I probably wasn't wrong. <laughs> Because he who was so high became so low for us, submitting himself to death on a cross, being buried in tomb, <laughs> locked in that tomb. And he bursts out of the, the grave. He comes to meet you low down. So get low down. And you can meet with Jesus today. And notice, this is not something that is to be kept to ourselves. This is not supposed to be a private faith. There's a reason that over 2,000 years later, we are met together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today. Somebody told somebody about it, and that somebody told somebody about it, and that somebody told somebody about it, and that somebody told somebody about it, somebody somebody about it all the way down to today it's not to be kept to the south. The angel said it. Go, go and tell them Jesus is risen and he'll meet with them. Jesus said to them as well, go and tell the brothers I'm risen from the dead and I'll meet with them. You need to share that with someone today, I think. You need to share it. Jesus is risen with someone. Maybe invite them along to the Usher Hall tonight. Say, do you want to come along? We're going to, you're going to hear about Jesus, is Jesus risen from the dead? You're going to hear a message about that. Don't keep it to yourself. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And maybe somebody here, maybe somebody here, you It's not about taking someone to hear the message tonight. But this morning, you need to to come to Jesus. I mean, why wouldn't you come to Jesus today? I mean, nothing could be more rational. Nothing could be more sensible. Jesus is alive. Everything he said was true. And he comes to you and he says, If you believe in me, you will not perish. You will not have to pay the price for all the wrong things that you've done in your life because I'll take it upon myself, upon the cross. If you believe in me, and trust in me, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and he'll be in you, you'll never be alone again, and you'll know you become a child of God at that very moment, and the Spirit will testify with your spirit, because you have a spirit. You're not just flesh and blood, and the Spirit will Testify with your spirit that you really are a child of God. And the spirit who comes to live within us, the Bible tells us, is the spirit of Jesus. And then you'll come really alive. In fact, you're dead till you meet with Jesus, but you don't even know it because you're dead. And if you've not come to know Jesus yet, you need to come to him. That you may be made alive. And even death, Is not going to stop you in the future. Because he died and he rose again. When you die, you're going to rise again. Because he lives, you also will live. And the offer is to you will you believe in me? Will you trust in me? Will you invite me in? Everything I've ever said, it's all come true. The evidence is there. I really did rise from the dead. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't to pull the wool over your eyes. It was so that you would know you're not alone in this world. You can come to Jesus today. Why wouldn't you do that? Why would you wait? It's the best thing you could ever do. Let's just come before God in prayer. Lord, we finish where we started off today. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Oh God, every one of us experiences a natural birth. or well, we wouldn't be here, but Lord, we also need to come to that spiritual birth to be born again. And we thank you, Lord, that that doesn't come through our efforts, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that there are moments in our lives where you call to us and you say, will you come and put your trust in me? Will you believe in me that you might have eternal life? And you come and you become our Lord and our Savior, the one who is risen and he is Lord. Lord, would you do that for anyone in here today who hasn't come to that moment of surrender yet? Thank you, Lord, that that moment is like life from the dead. Thank you that moment seals us in Jesus for all eternity. Thank you, risen Lord Jesus, that you meet us today. Lord, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. Lovingly, he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Lord, for those of us who do know you, there's plenty to be gloomy about in this world, plenty to fear, plenty to worry about. But you say to us, Do not be afraid. The angel says to us, Do not be afraid. He has risen. Hear our prayer. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.